We are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering. We hope you can join us at the Royal Grammar School on Guildford High Street, Sundays at 10am. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Hope Church. My name is Chris and uh, full disclosure, I am right now sitting in my office um, talking uh, to my phone to record this message because unfortunately um, our tech went down on Sunday morning but because this is the start of a new series I was really keen to uh, encourage you to get hold of um, this this message as we start Mark chapter 1 and so sorry that you can't see the, the visuals um, but you can hear me and I hope that you enjoy actually as we unpack this psalm. And if you're new listening to Hope Church, I just want to say you're so welcome. It's so good that you've uh, been able to, to join us today. Uh, I'm Chris and I get the joy of leading the leadership team here at Hope Church. And uh, yeah, I love love being part of the church. And over the, the whole of pandemic, actually, we've uh, preached through books like Joshua and Daniel and Galatians and Acts. And we've just finished a series on psalms, which is excellent uh, as well as doing genesis earlier on in the year and we love preaching through the bible here and as we um got together as an elchip team to hear and feel from god what would be right to preach through next we felt that it would be right to come to a gospel and so the the real reason for going through the book of mark is because we want to encourage the whole church to know and understand all that it means to fall in love again with jesus and so we're going to do that in two parts we're going to do 12 weeks through the gospel of mark this term and then we'll we'll sort of have a christmas series and and a short mini series in january and then we'll do the other half in the spring term which leads right up to easter which fits really nicely. On Sunday morning I uh, gave handed out Bibles to people that they can use on the morning or keep but I also handed out a, a little booklet which has got the, the whole Gospel of Mark in it and one side is the you know scripture the, the words from the book of Mark and on the other side there's like notepad and paper so if you come along to church either this week or this coming Sunday or the, or the next Sunday then do feel free to grab one of those books we'll have them at our welcome desk spare for anyone uh, who hasn't already got one and what that means what you can do is you can make notes uh, in this booklet that you get to keep and uh, and use and reread and so on. So uh, what I'm going to do now then is I'm going to read the passage, which is the first 20 verses of Mark chapter 1. Then I'm going to share a bit of context about it. And then we'll work through the passage, pulling out a few key things that I felt God had on my heart for us. So let's, let's read it. Mark chapter 1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptising in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptised by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. 
I have baptised you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness forty days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels were ministering to him. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So there we go. So let's let me give you a bit of context then. So this uh, book was actually written by John Mark. It, it can be a bit confusing because it's called Mark and it's actually written by John. His, his name is actually John Mark. And John Mark is the is Barnabas's cousin. And so you would you, you might remember that in, in Acts we find this time where uh Paul goes on multiple missionary journeys. On one of those journeys, Paul took Mark with him, this, this John Mark that wrote this gospel. And um, for some reason, Mark decided that he was going to leave Paul early and he left and Paul was a bit miffed about this. And later on, when Paul was going to go on another journey with Barnabas, Barnabas says, hey, let's take my cousin, John Mark, with us. And Paul was like, no. And that's what they ended up having the dispute about. And that's why they split. And so uh, John Mark, he's well known in other parts of the Bible. And uh, yeah, like I said, he's Barnabas's cousin. Um, but the, the kind of the whole gospel is really it's known as Peter's gospel. Um, because what would have happened is that Peter, he went around preaching It's really out of kind of gospel advance. He would go around preaching the gospel and he would tell people. And there was this moment when he was in Rome and he's telling the Romans about it. And they uh, they pleaded with him to leave an account of what he had said so they could read it and retell the stories that he's told. And so they really, they pleaded with John Mark to write down all that Peter had taught them about. And uh, from the earliest writings, Clement of Alexandria, Eusebius, Papias, right, you know, right in the early sort of AD 60, 130, these records are written down outside of the Bible that it was this John Mark who wrote down Peter's words so that the Romans uh, would have uh, an account of all that he said. And so actually, it's one of the earliest books written from the New Testament. And, uh, you know, it's quite different to the other Gospels. So Matthew, he wrote his Gospel for the Jews. And so you get lots of information about how uh, Jesus descended from, from Abraham, as, you know, in the Davidic line, how he fulfilled all the law. And so it's, it's kind of helping the Jews to understand how Jesus uh, is the Messiah, 
the, the king and his kingdom is going to come. And Dr. Luke, Luke's books of, of Luke and Acts, they're quite different. They're a detailed account. Luke kind of does lots of research. He, he explores all the different accounts about Jesus. So you get, you get lots of information by Luke and Luke and Acts. In fact, uh, often people think that Paul wrote half the New Testament. Well, in terms of word count, it's actually Luke. His two books of Luke and Acts are so vast and expansive that they take up half of the New Testament. And so it's a very detailed account that Luke gives going from all the information he's gathered. And he often actually quotes Mark, but in a different way. Mark then, his is Peter's eyewitness account. And so Mark's is very different. We we kind of, we get um, very, lots of like immediately and abrupt kind of uh, communication from him because it's like Peter talking about all that he had experienced. So in here we don't get things like the Christmas story. We don't get that, but we do get lots of detail. And so uh, Peter would have talked about how you know Jesus got people to sit down on green grass or that he was asleep in the boat on a pillow. He gives lots of stories and detail of an eyewitness account in a way that the the others don't. And he also admits things that he where he wasn't present like Jesus's birth so it's fast-paced it's action-packed and uh and yeah it's kind of written to those in Rome and this morning I've I've called the talk following and fishing and I'll unpack all that that means but the the, t- the key things that I want to pull out from this text is what does it mean to follow Jesus and to fish for him to be to be people that fish to, to be people that fish for people so let's, what we're going to do then is we're going to go through verse by verse. You can make notes. If, if you're sitting at home, you can make notes. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, I'll, we'll apply it to us at the end. So here we go. The first, it starts off then, the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. You know, Genesis starts in the beginning, God. John starts, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here, Mark starts with a similar uh, message the beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. This is what his gospel is, this whole gospel of Mark is about. And and it's quite, um, you know, you can imagine Peter standing there in Rome using Roman words, because gospel isn't like a Christian word, it's a Roman word. And what would happen is that like, emperors would um, send their messages into the towns and villages to declare the victory that they had just won. It'd be like, hear ye, hear ye, the, the gospel of so-and-so, the saviour of the people, the son of God, the most high, he has won a victory in this place. And you, you need to hear the, the gospel, the good news of this particular emperor. And so here we get in Rome, Peter standing up, preaching and saying, hey, this is the gospel, not of that you know, that king or or that ruler, but of the king of kings, of the Messiah, of God's anointed, of the saviour of the world, which, you know, Jesus means God saves. And he is telling them, this is the gospel of the true king of all kings, the true Lord of lords, the, 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 the one who came to save, who is the son of God, who is the most high, who has been prophesied about. This is the Messiah. This is the one who comes. And and is coming, and he he's a man absolutely. He's from Nazareth, but he's not just a man. He's the promised Messiah. He's the Son of God. He's good news for all people. And then it goes straight in, as it is written, 
by the prophet Isaiah. Now, that's quite an interesting phrase because actually what he then quotes is from Isaiah and Malachi, uh, not just Isaiah, but often what this is what would happen in the New Testament because Isaiah would be like a term to to kind of explain of all the prophets. This is this is the prophetic narrative. This is the writing. And it can be attributed to Isaiah, even though it's not. And maybe you can tell that's a bit of Peter's kind of like, he just wants to get to the point, get on with it. And he goes straight in. I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so you've got this kind of prophetic writing uh peter saying hey look there was this prophecy now i'm going to show you how it's come true and so verse four it goes on it says and so john he appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins and the whole judean countryside and all the people of jerusalem went out to him confessing their sins and they were baptized by him in the river jordan and then he gives that this eyewitness detail what did john wear where he wore clothing made of camel's hair. It's very specific. He, he had a leather belt around his waist. He even tells us what he ate, locusts and, and honey. And all this detail that's coming out um, isn't there for no reason. Actually, it's there for a purpose. And it's to remind us that, and, and you can read this in 1 Kings 17, that that is what Isaiah wore. Isaiah um, is depicted in a very similar way as someone who got his sustenance not from society in the way society does but actually from from nature and that's how he survived and he was one who wore clothing very much like this and so we had this prophetic word about this about this one who's going to come to prepare a way and now we get one who's coming who looks like Isaiah coming to do exactly that to prepare a way and so he starts giving us information about uh, this one that's come, this John the Baptist who's in the wilderness. And John is doing exactly that. He is preparing the way. And do you know what? As he does that, he's actually uh, for, like foreshadowing the gospel. He, he's representing the gospel a bit because what would happen is that non-Jews, people that were not Jews, Gentiles, would go to get baptised to repent for their sin. That's how they would then become a Jew. But it was it was, it was common that that's how it would happen and that Jews well they're already the, the favoured people of God they're loved by God and yet here we get John the Baptist calling Jews to come hey he, he is saying no 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 your your ethnicity your ancestry your the nation that you were born into is not enough to uh, for to cover all your sin to to make you right with God, you also need to come and repent. You need to come and you need to be baptized. You need to repent for your sin. And this is like the gospel message because it's saying that no nation is better than any other nation. All have sinned. All have fallen short. All need to come and repent in order to come and know their God. And it's incredible because he where's he taken back to the Jordan. And it's this this kind of picture of um, the the people of God. You know, coming out of Egypt, they would spent time in the wilderness and then what do they have to do to get into the promised land they had to cross through the waters of the jordan and so now you get uh, john the baptist calling jews who are in you know in the wilderness they're separated from god and he's kind of saying to them hey in order to come into the promises of god you need to come back to the the waters of the Jordan you need to get baptized you need to repent like everyone else in order to uh, be made right with god this is the gospel And it goes on verse seven. This was his message. After me comes one who's more powerful than I. The straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. 
You know, a slave or a servant back in those days would wash their master's feet. They would untie their sandals and wash their master's feet. But John is saying, hey, the one who's going to come is so different to me, he's so other, he's so perfect and so good that I'm not even enough to be his slave or his servant to this Messiah. That's how amazing he is it's like a real honoring term that there's going to be one who comes who who's going to come and just baptize also with the power of the holy spirit that that one that's been prophesied by joel in joel 2 he's the one that's going to come and and bring god's spirit to people verse 9 it goes on at that time jesus so um, a bit like before it prophesied there was there's a prophecy from isaiah and then, hey, here's the outcome, John the Baptist. Now here, there's the prophecy from John saying, hey, there's one that's going to come. And here's the outcome. At that time, immediately, Jesus came from Nazareth. This, this man that I've been telling you about. Nazareth in Galilee. And he was baptised by John in the Jordan. Which, quick point there is, come on, Jesus got baptised. If you haven't been baptised, why not? There's, there's no, you know, what's holding you back? He calls us to repent and be baptised. As we come and we obey him and be obedient to him and follow him. So this is the first step of obedience, not the start, the last step. What's holding you back? Jesus got baptised. We can do the same. And he did that. And just as Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open. And the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. I just think it's incredible that before Jesus has done anything of note, he has received God's love, his affirmation, his kind of his voice of fatherly care and love and support and saying, yes, I'm with you. And do you know what? Um, that I just think this, this is an amazing picture, isn't it, of the Trinity as you, you've got Jesus and the spirit descending on him. And then the father's voice, you've got father, son and spirit all there in the beginning, in this moment, uh, Jesus inauguration into into the kind of the world. And it's just an incredible kind of picture of 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 uh, the Godhead, the Trinity at work there in this moment, affirming one another, receiving from one another. And uh, I, there's this like key word in there where Jesus says, oh, I saw heaven being torn open. And I, I think that's an amazing picture. We, we heard last week from Phil about um, heaven and, uh, and earth and how heaven and earth come together. We pray, God, will your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And here we get this picture of heaven and earth being united in this moment. Father, Son and Spirit, they're all in this moment. And what is amazing is that, you know, often, you know, I talked earlier, I mentioned just now about uh, Jesus, God, the father saying to Jesus before he done anything you are my son whom I'm love with you I'm well pleased I believe that actually we can also apply that to our lives today and the reason why I believe that is because that word torn open it appears a few different times throughout the bible it appears in old testament uh, prophecy and in the psalms you you hear these these uh this kind of prophetic picture of how one is going to come who you know the the heavens tear open and they unite heaven and earth together and this is a prophetic picture of jesus and that's kind of what's happening here but then later on at the end of jesus life when he's on a cross when uh, he's been crucified and he says it is finished and we get that account about how the curtain is torn in two and that curtain is um, wrapped around the most holy of holies it's a it's a place where once a year the high priest can go into that the holy of holies and he meets with the presence of god and before the you know before jesus before the new testament 
Um, what happened is that the only place for, for hundreds of years where one could meet God is in that most holy of holies. And that only happened once a year by the high priest. When Jesus dies on the cross, that curtain is torn in two. It's making a way of, of heaven and earth to be able to come together that anyone can now go into his presence. It's no longer guarded by the great high priest who can only go in there one one. Uh, one year at a time but actually now it's making a way it's this like heaven and earth coming together and 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 in that picture we can see actually it's possible for us to come into God's presence and to know him and before we've done anything we can know that his words are the same you are my son my daughter whom I love with you I'm well pleased perhaps today you just need to hear God's affirmation and his love on you the last thing that I think is just incredible about this picture is that when God says to you are my son, whom I love, my, my beloved son with whom I'm loved, with you I'm well pleased. That is exactly the same phrase that you are my beloved son that God uses when he asks, asks Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac way back in Genesis. And, and God says to him, take your one and only beloved son and go and and give him up to sacrifice him here we get that exact same phrase so you've got this picture of god saying hey this is my beloved son i and i am the father who's now willing to send him to this earth to give him up to you so that you can come and know me this is the good father who gives up his son uh, in this great in this incredible moment of, of the gospel that's being shared so right from the start of jesus ministry we get this kind of this link that actually god is going to give up his son for us so that we might come into relationship with him incredible verse 12 carries on at once the spirit sent him into the wilderness and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals and the angels attended him. So here again, we, we don't get the eyewitness detail about what happened in the wilderness. We don't get the, the three temptations and what they were. We, Peter wasn't there, so we don't get that. But what we do get, and I think it's really interesting, is that for any Jewish Christian in Rome, hearing the words 40 days and wilderness, that would have sparked memories of the 40 days in the desert in in the wilderness, in that barren land. Uh, and... Um, the the kind of in when the when the people came out of Egypt and they spent those forty years in that wilderness they they failed massively they grumbled they lacked faith they succumbed to temptation and they sinned but where they did all of that here we get Jesus triumphing Jesus didn't stumble or fail or fall short he didn't grumble actually he he the angels attended him he was with him and you know. Um, what's also incredible is that many believed back then that demons and evil spirits they were attracted to remote desert-like places wilderness type places isolated places so in the bible if you see someone who's in an isolated place and also if you see someone perhaps who's surrounded like in that isolated place like a desert with with wild animals like it says here with, with beasts and you see that they come through that, then that is like a sign of God's protection and his favour on them. 
So for example, in Daniel, we see Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel is in an isolated place. He's in that cave by himself and there's wild beasts there and he comes through, doesn't he? He, he survives that, that time there and it's, it's a sign of God's favour and his protection on him. And here we get this image, desert, wilderness, wild animals there and yet actually God is protecting him. He's with him. There's God's favour on him. Verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus is on a mission. And this is, this is him now stating that mission. He is proclaiming the good news. The time has come, he says. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. And do you know what? It's so easy forget, for us to forget whose mission it is. Often we can fall into the trap of thinking that Jesus is sitting back in heaven, looking down at us in judgment, wondering, hey, how are you doing with telling people about me? Where, how's your evangelism going? How's this going? How's that going? And we need to be reminded today that actually the primary person who holds responsibility for the mission of declaring the kingdom of God is Jesus and not us. It is his mission that we are caught up into. It's his mission that he's called us into and it's he is the leader he is the head of the church and he is forming a beautiful bride that is going into all the nations and declaring the goodness of the kingdom of god that the good news is here and that people should repent and believe this gospel to believe this good news it's so good for us to be reminded isn't it? it's not my mission actually it's god's mission god's mission that he allows us to be a part of and peter tells us um that he, how he was drawn into Jesus' mission. And he goes on, he says this, because straight away, Jesus declares, hey, this is my mission. And the first thing he does, he calls people into that mission. So verse 16, so he, he's just declared, this is my mission. Straight away, verse 16, as Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon. Oh, that's another reason why this is confused. This kind of can be confusing because this is Peter. Pete, Peter's known as Simon, like Jesus changed his name later on. Um, so this is, so he saw Peter and he saw his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, he said, because I will make you fishers of people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. So verse says, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of people. It doesn't say follow me and work really hard to fish for people. It doesn't say follow me and go on a, an evangelistic training course and then start fishing for people. It doesn't say follow me and you better start working hard on what you're doing, messing around that. You need to be a better witness in your neighbourhood, in your workplace. And No, it doesn't say any of that. It says follow me. Take steps towards me. Fall in love with me. And as you do that, I will bring the fruit. I will make you fishers of men. I will be the one through the power of my Holy Spirit who can transform and change others' lives. I will be the one who takes the primary responsibility for the fruit that might take place from what you do in following me. This is why I've called this morning's talk following and fishing. To understand what it means to, to, to follow Jesus and to fish for him. Jesus says, hey, follow me. And then and he follows that and as you follow me as you fall in love with me as you learn to obey me and to trust me and to to live with me hey i will i will bring about a great fruit i will be the one who who sees my holy spirit at work through you in your life you know this this is a, actually a great picture of the kind of the great commandment and the great commission 
Because following him is really that, that great commandment. You know, when Jesus was asked, you know, uh, about all the laws. And he, he summarized the whole thing by saying, hey, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. And the second part is connected to it is love others like yourself. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means loving God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. That's why we're doing this series, to help us to fall in love with him again, to, to know what it means to love him and to follow him, and then love others as yourself. That's what it means to follow him. And then the great commission then is to share the good news of people. And we hear about that, don't we, in Matthew 28. is to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptise them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. And even then, he says, and I will be with you. And I, you know, I will stand by you. And I'm, it's my mission that you're on. It's, and so you follow me. And as you do that, hey, I'm with you. Following Jesus being, means, means being caught up on his mission, finding our place in his story. And as a church... We love to do that. In fact, everything we do is actually connected to those two things, the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So everything we do falls into one of these three categories, loving Jesus, loving others, or sharing Jesus. And uh, often I've de depict that in the past as like a three-legged stool, and everything fits with those, the commandment and the commission. And so uh, loving Jesus is like our family. Everything we do, like our Sundays, our groups, our ministries, our Bible studies, our students and 20s, our youth groups, our, all of that is learning how to love God together. It's journeying our faith. Wherever we are in the journey of faith, where we, get, we find opportunities to get together, to make time for us to get together and, uh, and fall in love with one another. But if that's all we ever did, then, then we wouldn't be fulfilling the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. And so it's really important that we also love others, that we don't just look inwards and help each other to grow, but we love others and we look outwards. And things like our hope work, sharing with the poor, giving to food bank, uh, people like getting involved with street angels and food banks and Christmas parcels and all that kind of stuff, caring for those who are hurting, caring for the needy, running things like marriage courses and parenting courses, all these kind of things help people in our community how and and we love people and because we love people we want to do those things and we, we love others as we love ourselves all of these it's all part of following jesus loving god loving others but we also want to share the good news don't we we want to run alpha courses we want to do christmas carols we want to do fun days we want to plant churches like we've done recently into the middle east we want to make sure that we're keeping to share the good news and if if we lose any one of these legs of the stool then we miss out on something that god has called us to be if we if we don't do family and learning to grow together then we we end up being all about social action it's all important and all good and it's good to do things but we forget why we're doing it and we do it out of duty instead of actually because we are loved by god and that he delights in us and and if we don't do the social action then we become insular and we forget actually there's other people that need to know about jesus that need to be cared for and that need to need to need to that we can support out of the richness of all that we have. And if, if we didn't ever told people about the good news of Jesus, then we'd be keeping this wonderful treasure to ourselves. And so all three are absolutely vital. They all are wrapped up in this kind of thing. Hey, follow me. Follow me. Take steps towards me. And as you do, I will bring the fruit. I will fill you with my Holy Spirit. I will take responsibility for all that comes out. Christians are called lots of things throughout the Bible. Children of God, favoured, loved, sons, daughters. But here, at the beginning of this Gospel of Mark, they're called followers and fishermen. The onus is on us to, to follow him. 
and to, to, to take steps towards him. But the onus is on him to bring the fruit. I will do the rest, God says. Peter had to take the first step towards Jesus. Jesus called him and said, hey, follow me. And there would have been all sorts of things that would have gone through his head. Oh, but what about my work? What about my family? What about, what about this? What about that? But he chose in the midst of all, do you know what? I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to follow him. And whatever that meant for him. And often that first step can be the hardest. And I wonder what steps towards Jesus do you need to take today? Just like Jesus was calling them, I believe he's calling us. He's calling Hope Church. He's calling the people of God all across the world to follow him, to trust him. And, you know, as I preached this message on Sunday morning, I felt that there was three key things that came to mind. And, and I believe that, you know, there might be for you listening now as well. And so one of them is this. I believe that God would want you to know his grace, his love and his mercy on you today. I, I don't know what situations that you might have found yourself in. I don't know what what context you're currently living in, what's going on in your life. And you might have felt all sorts of feelings. You know, you might be thinking, oh, I haven't done this enough. I haven't done that enough. I, I, I should be living like this or I've sinned in this way or that way. Well, before Jesus did anything of note, God's words on him was, this is my beloved child of God. <laughs> this is my child whom I'm love. With you, I'm well pleased. I just believe that God would want to speak that over you today. I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm for you. you. Maybe today you just need to know his grace and love and mercy. And in a moment, you know, I'll pray for you and you can take some time to pray for yourself. Maybe put some worship music on and just allow God's grace to fill your life today. Second thing is it might be that you are someone who has taken the primary responsibility for one of those things. Maybe it's for healing. Maybe it's for salvation. Maybe it's for success, whatever success means maybe it's for the holy spirit's working power in other people's lives maybe you know you, you maybe you know you've been someone who oh you've seen lots of stuff happen in the past and now it's not quite working out and you know i just believe that jesus wants to release you from that pressure today it is not your burden to bear jesus all he does is call you to follow him it means you can pray for healing and the results are his you can leave that between them and god it means you can pray for salvation. It means you can share your story and your testimony with others. And they might reject you, but you know what? That is not, that, that's fine. Really what they're doing is rejecting God. And that's between them and God. All we're called to do is to be obedient, to take steps to hold Jesus and for us to be released from the burden or the pressure from having to see success, whatever that looks like in other people's lives. That responsibility is God's. The fruits is his i will make you i will bring the fruit he is the one who you know we can we can water and we can do this but it's god who brings the growth and then the third area that i felt god might be speaking into people's lives is that maybe you see you might be someone who you see the christian life and you think i just can't do that i can live like that i can i can't do i can't live my life in that way and you know what you're absolutely right you can't 
but we were singing a song, actually it's the power of Christ who strengthens me. You, you can't do anything in this life without God's Holy Spirit. When, before Jesus did anything, he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, like a dove, was descending on him and God's affirmation. When he knows his identity and when he's full with the power of the Holy Spirit, then he's able to go out into the world and transform it for his good. You know, it's exactly the same for us. You know, we need to be people who know our identity in Christ, who are full of the power of his Holy Spirit. And as we do that, we are made alive in Christ. When we repent, we, we ask for forgiveness and we take steps towards following Jesus. He is then able to help us to, to you know, he transforms our lives. He transforms us by the power of his Holy Spirit and things that we thought were impossible before, we can now suddenly do because it's God's strength and his power at work through our weakness in our lives. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. And I pray this morning that for all those that need to hear again your love and your affirmation in their lives, your grace which knows no bounds, your mercies which I knew every day, I pray, Lord God, right now would they know that deeply in their lives. Lord, I pray for those that have taken responsibility for success, whatever that looks like, onto their own shoulders. And I pray, Lord God, would you release them from that, release them from the burden of, of, of trying to be something that they're not, or holding the pressure of, of success in their eyes that, that is actually not theirs to hold. I pray help all of us to just follow you, to seek you, to be obedient, to take steps towards you today, I pray, and tomorrow and the next day. And Lord, for those who don't know you yet, who are looking at the Christian life and perhaps intrigued, but thinking, I'm not sure I can do that. Actually, Lord, I pray, again, would you fill them with the power of the Holy Spirit? Would you make them alive in Christ? Would they, would they know, actually, no, they can't do this in their own strength, but they can through the power of God who strengthens us. And so I just ask you to, to bless our church, help us as we press on through this wonderful gospel of Mark to, to know how you are speaking to us and calling us as a church. Be with us. I pray in your heavenly name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We meet on Sundays at 10am at the Royal Grammar School in Guildford. We look forward to seeing you.